Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. It is straight up two o'clock here on this Monday afternoon. No, this is not Dave Burns, and that is not the one, the only John Gambadoro. Happy President's Day, everyone. No, I don't think so. Unless you want to try a Brooklyn accent or a New York accent today. Well, you didn't try straight up 2 o'clock, so... Mitch Fereldis, Cody Fincher, we're both filling in today. We've got Zach Larson behind the glass, and he's already cooking up something for 445. We're not really sure what it is. We just know it's presidentially themed, it, right? It Zach? is. It is. It'll be. It'll be a fun time at four forty-five. Fun time at four forty-five. And now I'm nervous about it. Not gonna lie. Are you prepared for what's to come, Cody? No. <laughs> I hope you studied your history books before prepared. today. That's funny. Day. Properly prepared for presidents. What were we thinking? Yes, that's right. It is President's Day, so no Burns and Gambo today. Of course, there was no Wolf and Luke today. No Bickley Murata today. They will all be back tomorrow. Tomorrow also, by the way, is the start of an- our annual Newsmakers Ooh, Week yeah. on the morning show. So I've Bickley been a part of a couple Newsmakers Weeks. It's a fun time, not going to lie, getting to experience it. It's um, chaotic. With- it's hectic. <laughs> It's also fun and informative. Very much so. So that'll start tomorrow. That is when all of our regular programming will return as well. But for today, you've got Cody and I from now until 6 o'clock tonight. And there is plenty to talk about. And first, I just want to thank the Arizona Cardinals for giving us something to talk about. Because thank God we now are starting to see the pieces <laughs> being put together of this coaching staff. Of course, you had Jonathan Gannon. The new head coach was hired on Tuesday. Now here we are next Monday, and he already has reportedly a offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator. He might have a passing game coordinator, uh-huh. and it sounds like they're retaining their special teams coordinator. Where do you want to start with first? What do you want to react to first well, here? I'll just give him this, because he was the last coach hired yes. in this cycle. I feel like he's making the most moves uh, the fastest, you know what I mean? Yeah. He already has his OC, his DC. Um, it was announced today that he's keeping Jeff Rogers, the special teams coordinator, and he also might have a passing game coordinator on the way, Drew Terrell, the commander's wide receiver coach, who interviewed for the OC job, Yes, is apparently still could be hired on the Arizona Cardinals staff. So I'll give him credit to that. And, you know, I, the turnaround time has been great. Yeah. Given how late in the hiring cycle he was... Hired. There, there's been. I've seen people, uh, you know, on Twitter and whatnot, saying like, "Oh, they're they're hiring all these inexperienced coordinators and coaches." And there's, I guess, there's something to be said for that. But honestly, I would rather Jonathan Gannon be hiring these type of guys who he knows, who he trusts, because yeah, Nick Rollis, the defense, the new defensive coordinator for the Cardinals, is a young guy. He's he was the linebackers coach for the Eagles last year. Of course, Gannon was the defensive coordinator. But let's just be honest here. Jonathan Gannon, this is going to be his defense. Right. Nick Rollis isn't coming in here and and formulating the entire defense himself. He's going to be the conduit, the, the for lack of a better term, the messenger of the defense to th- that Jonathan Gannon comes up. They're going with. to work in close, yeah, in close proximity. But it sounds like Gannon is going to be the one running the whole show. That's what yes. you're getting at, correct? correct. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I, so I'm okay with. And it, it, it's so opposite from the last coaching hire for Cliff Kingsbury, who came from college and didn't know really anybody in the NFL. And it felt 
like Steve Keim and Michael Bidwell and you know others had to pretty much hire his staff for right. him. Vance Joseph, uh, there was no offensive coordinator. Cliff was the offensive coordinator. Um, Jeff Rogers was already here from the Steve Wilkes days. But by the way, Jeff Rogers, this is the third different head coach he'll be working under. I think that speaks, that speaks to a good, what, <laughs> what a good coach he is, though, that yeah. all these that these two guys wanted to keep him. Well, I tell you what, a lot of the most exciting plays that the Cardinals had last year came on special teams. Yeah, the, the that's true. Passes. Yep. Like, Jeff Rogers has been a big part of the success of that special so, team squad. I'm okay with the way Jonathan Gannon is going about. High. He's hiring his guys. He's hiring the guys that he trusts, that he knows, that he can work with easily. I'd rather have that and have them be younger. I don't care about their age, honestly. I don't care. If you're a good football coach, you're a good football coach. I don't care how old or young you are. Um, but yeah, he is hiring these guys quickly. He seems to be getting the guys that he wants. Um, so yeah, that that's I'm okay with it. I'm perfectly fine with how this how he's filling out his staff right now. We're going to go deeper into each the OC and the DC later on, but just to catch you up to speed if you were not following along with the coaching hiring cycle, Drew Petzing, who was the former Cleveland Browns quarterbacks coach, he is now going to be the Cardinals OC. It's not, I don't believe it's been officially announced yet, but it's been reported for the past couple of days, so it's likely to be announced officially either today or tomorrow, I would imagine. And then Nick Rallis, who was the linebackers coach, as you mentioned, in Philadelphia, under Gannon for those two years. You know what's also unique about these three hires in particular? You mentioned the age. This was at the bottom or towards the bottom of Peter King's Monday morning in a football morning in America column. The average age of Arizona coach Jonathan Gannon and his prospective OC and DC and Drew Petzing and Rallis, 35 years and two months. <laughs> Gannon at 40 years and a month, Petzing at 35 and 11, and Rallis at 29 and 7 have to be one of the youngest trios or the youngest to ever lead an NFL team. An average age of 35 years old is in charge of 53 men, an entire offense, and an entire defense. That's crazy. Kind of weighs on you a bit, don't you think? He's the youngest coordinator in the NFL, right? Ever. Yeah. 29 years old. (laughs) He was in in college with Max Williams, tight end of the Cardinals. It wasn't that long ago that he himself was playing football. Yeah, I saw Max Williams was really excited about the hire. He tweeted something. He's like, this is awesome, or whatever he said. I'm... I don't care. I don't care about the age. If you're a quality football coach, that's what I want. If I'm a Cardinals fan, that's what I want. I want I and Jonathan Gannon and his assistants, I want a quality coach. I want from Jonathan Gannon, I want him to just lead this team. Cuz I think it's something we haven't seen for a while yet. Cliff Kingsbury, the players seem to like him. But was he really the leader in the locker room when it comes to, you know, leading the whole team? I don't know. I, I mean, I, he might have been, but who's to say that the leadership was right? It was who said who's to say that the message was being sent to all right, 53? Exactly. And I think that you're going to get that with Jonathan Gannon. Like, I, I kind of like how Jonathan Gannon is. He seems like a uh, like he's going to be a player's coach. Like most people from the Eagles players anyway, seem to really like him. Um, and I, I think he just he brings so much energy too. He He's, reportedly already has, like, what, 12 JG-isms, as we're starting to learn? <laughs> oh, like, good. It seems like he's got a philosophy that he's bringing in. And, you know, well, a lot is going to be focused on the age. A lot is going to be focused yeah. on the inexperience. But it's not the same kind of inexperience that Cliff Kingsbury had no. when he was hired. Jonathan Gannon has been around the NFL. He's been in the NFL since he was, like, what, 21 years old? Yeah. 
24 years old. Nick Rallis has been in the NFL for the past six years. Drew Petzing has been in the NFL for the last few years. You know what else is intriguing? And I'm curious because this name was thrown out there. Uh, Howard Balzer, who was filling in on the Midday Show, he threw this name out there a, a little while back when he first reported about Rallis. Mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer. Yes. The former Vikings head coach. And if you look closely, coincidentally, had at one point or another coached all three of these men that are now employed by the Cardinals. I, I think that would be a great hire if he was, well, we know he's not going to be the defensive coordinator now, no. but if he was like the senior defensive analyst or assistant mm-hmm. slash maybe assistant head coach. Assistant head coach seems likely, yeah. that's Kyle Shanahan... I think Kyle Shanahan had Anthony Lynn as kind of that same type of role on the offense side. In charge like, of quarterbacks, Offensive too. Yeah. assistant, quarterback coach, but he was also the assistant head coach. And, of course, Anthony Lynn was the Chargers head coach for a while. I think that would be a great – if they could get Mike Zimmer in here. Because talk about a defensive mind <laughs> to, to, to uh, bounce things off of for a young coach. And, obviously, Mike Zimmer, like you said – coached the Minnesota Vikings, the head coach for a long time, had a lot of success there too, um, but it just didn't end the way that he wanted to, but that would, I think, be a great hire if they can manage to get Mike Zimmer maybe on the staff somehow. There's been a lot of positive talk about Zimmer. There's been equally negative, and I imagine most of it is coming from recency, because Minnesota's season, when in his final season, it obviously did not end well, and right. then they turn around, get Kevin O'Connell, and they get back to the playoffs, I mean, they win it, the North. Like, in the NFL, it hardly ever ends right. well. Like, right. There's not a lot of guys, like coaches, that go out on their own terms. What's the joke? It's the not-for-long right. league. Bruce Arians kind of went out on his own twice. Yeah. Now, Bill Belichick will go out on his own terms, but honestly... I can't really think of anybody else that walked away and said, okay, that's it for me. Yeah. I'm going to ride off in the sunset. Most, Nobody more likely, likes to walk away on their own. More no. likely than not, an NFL head coach, no matter how good you are, is going to be fired. Andy Reid pro- was fired in Philly. Right. And look at him now. He's going to walk off into the sunset, obviously, after he's done coaching First the Chiefs. First Hall of Famer but right now. He got fired at one point. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's hard to do that. I think Mike Zimmer would be awesome. That excites me. Here's my worry about Zimmer, and I was trying to do a little extra research before the show. It sounds like there's connections to other openings as well. Denver, as we know, is still looking for a D.C. doing a coaching overhaul. Would they bring in Mike Zimmer? Would he team up with Sean Payton? They seem to be going a veteran coordinator route there with Rex Ryan and Mm -hmm. Vance Joseph also getting interviews there, too. And then even sticking in the Rocky Mountains. I read something from a couple of weeks ago. Deion Sanders had like a verbal commitment from Zimmer to join his staff in some way at CU Boulder. No way. That was on that would football be, talk that, would that I read crazy. from a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Well, too bad. He's it's coming a, here, right? Now, yeah. I checked the website just to be sure because I guess in this same interview he mentioned Willie Taggart, who was the former Florida State head coach, former okay. Oregon head coach. But nothing is official on Colorado's website. But it's still an interesting <laughs> name to keep an eye on because Zimmer has a connection with literally all three of these individuals. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that about that. He coached all these guys? At one point or another, yeah. Wow. I mean, they're all young It enough, just shows you the staying power of Mike Zimmer as Now, well. that, would that kind of silence the, they're not experienced enough crowd that, that are, you know, I would complaining so. about all these hires? You get Mike Zimmer, who's literally done everything in the NFL. And like I said, the inexperience level of Cliff versus Gannon. Gannon has been in the league. He hasn't been a head coach, but he's been in the league. Cliff just jumped from collegiate, despite 
you know, playing as an NFL quarterback in New England for a couple of years. Yeah. He went from college straight to the pros. He didn't have the coaching experience at the NFL level. There's a massive difference between the two, yep. I think. Yep. Coming up next, it was All-Star Weekend in the NBA, so we got a chance to hear from the newest son, Kevin Durant. He doesn't mind being traded. Well, of course he doesn't mind, but he means on the big scale. That's next here on the Burns and Gambo Show on Arizona Sports. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Mitch Veraldis, Cody Fincher filling in for both Burns and Gambo today on this President's Day. They'll be back tomorrow. The start of Newsmaker, Newsmakers Week tomorrow as well on the Bickley and Murata Morning Show. Really looking forward to that. Looking forward to a lot of things. I'm really looking forward to the return of the Phoenix Suns. And a big part of that, of course, as you know, Cody, is Kevin Durant because we haven't seen him in a Suns uniform yet. He's looked awesome when he's been healthy this year. And maybe, just maybe, he'll be ready to go as soon as this Friday against Oklahoma City. It, I'm not going to say it doesn't feel real because it is. We had the introductory press conference. I feel like we've seen enough of him that like, we're it's seeing real. the like, Suns yeah. logo next to his name. And yeah. Phoenix Suns forward Kevin Durant will not participate in the All Star game, but it's going to just feel amazing when we see him take the court. It'll feel legitimate. It'll yes, it will because we've already kind of seen Mikel Bridges went off for 45 for Brooklyn uh last week. Right. Cam Johnson's been playing pretty good for them too. So it's like I just want to see KD. I need to see him. Um and I don't know, maybe we'll maybe we're going to get him on Friday. Well, so ESPN certainly seems to think so. They're they're preparing. They are preparing. They it's have- the perfect storm of it too. They're playing the Thunder. At yeah. home. Perfect storm. Yeah. Thunder. Ha-ha, ah, ha-ha. Oh my goodness. What is happening? Clip that. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's it's literally the perfect situation because they are playing his, his first, well not first team, Seattle was his first team, RIP. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, where he got started. Mm-hmm. They're at home in Phoenix. ESPN seems to think there's a good chance they basically did an NFL flex of that game. Oh, yeah. It's like flexing a game to Sunday Night Football. They flexed it to an 8 p.m. Uh, tip-off, and now ESPN's going to carry that game on their television network. So oh, I hope it's Friday. That would be awesome. We, need, we so. need something like that. I we hope need so it. too. Of course, nationally, though, that's not necessarily the conversation. It is a conversation. But it's not the big conversation. It has a lot more to do with the fact that, really, he got traded at all. I mean, just as a reminder, he was on a four-year contract that he agreed to last offseason, I believe, that started this year. So Kevin Durant got traded away with three and a half years remaining on his current contract. That doesn't happen all that often. And when it it does, you expect to give up a lot, and the Suns have clearly given up a lot of (laughs) capital. They did. So Kevin Durant, who was voted as an all-star starter was obviously at All-Star Weekend. He could not participate because he's still recovering from his MCL. But he was asked about all of these big names, himself and Kyrie Irving included, getting traded. I don't think it's bad for the league. It's bringing more eyes to the league. More people are more excited. The tweets that I got and the the the, the news hits that we got from me being traded, Kyrie being traded, just bring more attention to the league. And that's really what makes you money is when you get more attention. So um, I think it's great for the league, to be honest. Teams been trading players and making acquisitions for a long time. Now when a player can, you know, uh, kind of dictate where he wants to go and leaving free agency 
field or man the trade is just part of the game now so I don't think it's a bad thing it's bringing more and more excitement um, to the game how do you initially react to what KD had to say that's an interesting take on it you're bringing more attention to your league when big names get moved around he's right about that he's not that. wrong he's right I don't know about it making more money but uh He's right about the attention part. It's funny that that is coming from Kevin Durant because when he signed with Golden State, everyone you know dumped on him for you're you're just joining the team that you couldn't beat, the super duper team, mm-hmm. and you're ruining the game. But blah, it was blah, free blah. agency. He wasn't he wasn't right. like demanding he wasn't a trade traded. to go there exactly. Right. And I don't think anyone blames Kevin Durant for wanting to be traded from Brooklyn. It just didn't work. What's funny is they were like in fourth, fifth place when that all happens. It's not like they're a horrible basketball team. Well, they were scorching the earth until Kevin yeah. Durant got and hurt. And then Kyrie all of a sudden changes his mind again for like the fifth time. <laughs> and he demands out. And Kevin Durant, is, I think the only thing that was tying him there to Brooklyn was his desire to play with Kyrie. Feels and, like it, yeah. Yeah, and then Kyrie just says, I don't want to be here anymore. So KD just, okay, I guess I don't want to be here, so let's go. And now I think Brooklyn's better off for it, too. I mean, getting Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson. They got Spencer Dinwiddie back from Dallas. Uh, You you know what it is? They're way better off, I think, too. I I think just getting Kyrie Irving off their team probably helped out a lot. Yeah, it surely helped them a lot. I look at the Nets now, and I kind of think about them in the same way as I thought about Dallas before they got Kyrie. They have... (laughs) You know, a really solid guy who can help run the floor, help space the floor, help distribute the ball, do everything kind of thing. Dinwiddie is not nearly the same level level as Luka Doncic. Let's get that out of the way. No, 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 no. But now that he's got Kyrie, you kind of eliminate some of those other role guys. Like it more often than not, it was Luka and he was playing with Jalen Brunson. He was playing with Dorian Finney-Smith. Right. They eventually got Dinwiddie. And it was just kind of a bunch of role guys. That's kind of how I see Brooklyn right now. I'm wondering who's going to develop to be that next big thing in Brooklyn. I mean, heck, they're already calling Mikhail Brooklyn Bridges over there. It's perfect. It's All, all it takes is a 45-point <laughs> Yeah, that's all it takes. Um, but yeah, back to KD, it, I don't think that it's bad for the league. No, I don't think so either. I don't, it's, and it's not like he requested to be traded to the Lakers to join LeBron. This is also like the third or fourth year in a row that a significant name has requested out. James Harden back-to-back years. Yeah. When he wanted out of Houston right. and then got to Brooklyn, and then when he wanted out of Brooklyn and got to Philly. Right. And now this year you have two with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And I think to KD's point, he's right. It does get more eyes on the league. Mm-hmm. And yes, Adam Silver may publicly have an issue with it. The commissioner may publicly have an issue with it. But you have to imagine behind the scenes, he's thinking, ooh, getting some more eyeballs and some of these other markets that maybe haven't gotten the attention that they would normally get in prior years and, because of it. And like, what's the what's the bigger, you know flaw is it that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving teamed up together and talked about signing together in Brooklyn and that they kind of just built a team out of nowhere like that or is it demanding trades because and it's not like Kevin Durant is coming to Phoenix with one year left on his deal he's going to be here for three more years he's locked in so I mean barring anything unforeseen of course and and of course hopefully he stays healthy but Kevin Durant is going to be wearing 35 in purple and orange for three more years with Devin Booker. So it's not like the Suns gave up. It's not like they mortgaged their entire future. Yeah, they gave up a bunch of draft picks, which I don't even care about. No. They gave up, yes, Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson. You can't replace guys, especially Mikel. You can maybe replace guys like Cam Johnson. You could find guys that shoot threes. Um, but Mikel just brings so much. 
but they didn't mortgage their entire future of their organization to go get and chase a title for one year with Kevin Durant. No, this they're going to have Kevin Durant for three more years. It's the like window, a four-year window. It's with like KD. adding a bigger window on your house. <laughs> now the window is open longer. I can see more. Yeah, now. I can see the future now, um, <laughs> and hopefully that future has multiple Larry O'Brien trophies in it. But yeah, I don't think a trade like that is bad for the NBA. There are probably trades that are bad for the NBA. I don't know what they. I didn't think we had any of those this year. We'll see what happens oh. in Dallas with Kyrie. But. Yeah, that, I mean, he's going to head into free agency regardless unless they figure something out before the season right. ends. But it sounds like he's yeah, going right. to free, free agent. He is a free agent. The other right. thing that can't be lost in this whole thing is Brooklyn's ownership and front office, their philosophy of just kind of letting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving make the decisions for them. Not great. They clearly put them in this position where they had no choice but yep. to say goodbye and let them go and trade them away and basically start over what was a supposed to be like a decade run and instead didn't even make it four years and they hired steve nash to be their coach because Because kyrie irving and kevin durant didn't want a coach that was going to tell them what to do they got kenny atkinson fired i think that was more kyrie than kd though we can't assume but But kyrie was the most outspoken about it it was a two-headed monster we don't need a coach we're kyrie irving and kevin durant they got kenny atkinson fired Mm-hmm. They got Jock Vaughn to be the interim, but they didn't want Jock Vaughn. They yeah. wanted Steve Nash, but then Steve Nash got fired, and now they're back to Jock Vaughn. Right. And here they are still in the playoff hunt. The end. Time, flat, circle. <laughs> yeah, so. Pencil through the soda can or something. Flat Earth. Wait, that's Kyrie. No, no, no. no. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a right answer to what Kevin Durant saying. Maybe there are. I don't think he's wrong. I don't, about his situation, he's right. This about any other player situation, it varies, right? That deadline was it was a pretty good trade deadline. Oh, and then all of a sudden, what Kevin Durant is being traded to the Suns. I mean, especially here. We obviously live here and that just lit up our entire city. Right. But because we've been wanting this for a year, it feels like. So but I I, I think it's okay. I, I don't think it's detrimental to the league. I think especially in Kevin Durant's situation where he's just not going to be in Phoenix for half a season and then go somewhere else. Hopefully. At least yeah, I was going to say at least we hope that's a couple Hopefully. of a couple of sickos and Durant and Booker who just lo- want to hoop. I hope it's Friday. I, I hope we possible. see it on Friday, man. Hopefully we'll get campaign oh, back to it. Need that backup ball handler back on the floor. He said he was close a few days ago. Coming up next, Jonathan Gannon apparently was offered more money to stay in his previous job. So then why did he take the Cardinals job? You'll find out next here on the Burns and Gambo Show on Arizona Sports. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Mitch Ferraldis and Cody Fincher filling in for Burns and Gambo today here on this President's Day Monday. Live here in the Akachin Community Studios. The Arizona Cardinals were busy this weekend. Busy this whole past week, really. Uh, We'd seen reports as soon as Gannon was hired of who he was going to interview for OC, who he was going to interview for DC. And now we're even getting reports that they might know who their passing game coordinator is. Like, a whole bunch of stuff has been happening with the Cardinals as they try to put together their staff. They've got about a month or so until the draft. So, Cardinals fast at work. And for new head coach Jonathan Gannon, it feels like this for him, at least from his perspective, this just kind of came within a 24-hour notice. 
in Peter King's latest Football Morning in America column that was published today, Gannon had mentioned to Peter King that his conversation with Howie Roseman ahead of the or after the Super Bowl Sunday went something like this. Gannon said, quote, we had to iron a few things out Tuesday morning, but it was pretty much done on Monday night. Things happened fast. Howie Roseman told me after the game, quote, you won't be coming back with us to Philadelphia. You're staying here to interview for the Cardinals job. And that was when he learned that the Cardinals wanted to talk to him. And then, as we know, we're now here. He's the head coach. It took them literally a day. It sounds like they knew exactly who they wanted from the get go. Yeah. And it's been a breath of fresh air with Jonathan Gannon because we were talking off air. It just felt like the Cardinals kept, you know, getting no's from everybody. And that might not necessarily be true, but at least the perception was that, you know, Sean Payton, Sean Payton's a kind of a special case. There was a lot of moving parts with Sean Payton. You needed to trade for Sean Payton. You needed to pay Sean Payton what he wanted to be paid. He needed to want to come here, first of all, but it felt like the Cardinals interviewed him for over seven hours and you're like, oh, wait, are we getting Sean Payton? I mean, are we getting Sean Payton? And then he doesn't come here. He goes to Denver. And then Dan Quinn basically roundabout like told you no, because he went back to Dallas. Who knows what Jerry Jones offered him? And then Frank Reich interviews here. He goes to Carolina. D'Amico Ryans didn't even want to interview here, it sounds like. He didn't even want... He reportedly canceled the yeah. interview. <laughs> well, he he scheduled like four or five interviews on a game day and like, oh, I guess I don't but, have time. Sorry. But in reality, it almost sounds like he knew what he wanted to do before he set all those right. up. And then, he knew he wanted to go to Houston. Yeah, and then Brian Flores, lastly, kind of told you no. He he took a defensive coordinator job over the Cardinals, head coaching job. And then you have Jonathan Gannon, who is comes in here... You know, they interview him a, a day after the Super Bowl. He's pretty much hired two days later. Yeah. Maybe one and a half day later. It's, it felt like that. And he's just comes in here all gung-ho about everything. He's super excited. He's dapping up Kyler in the weight room. He's, you know, clapping all over the place when he's running down he's the halls. Up. He's, he's ready to go. I love that. I, it's just a breath of fresh air to have a guy like that just so excited to be in Arizona. Just, I mean, I'm sure other guys were excited to get the job too, but not, not outwardly like this guy. Not outwardly like this guy. And even like Michael Bidwell during the in- introductory press conference is like this guy because you know we've seen the videos of how like you know amped up he gets and uh-huh. then he wasn't that way in the press conference and Michael Bidwell is like he's usually more amped up. I, than think, this. I think he was <laughs> just kind of trying to reserve yeah, himself. He's know, being he's, calm and collected, he's trying but, to make a strong impression. But yeah, I he's really excited about working with Kyler. Mm-hmm. That's huge because there's been so much negative press about Kyler Murray, especially in the national media about just, you know, his work ethic, the, everyone's still making their video game jokes, all that stuff. I'm like, you know how many of these athletes play video games? Literally a lot like of all them. of them. They all have Twitch channels. They all, you know, play online together. It's like, it's not just Kyler Murray. Anyway, just, I'm trying to defend my fellow gamer, <laughs> Kyler Murray. But well, how about this? We'll just put it in the words of your head coach. In a quote that we'll get deeper into later, but just the very first part of the quote, Peter King asked Gannon, Kyler Murray's been a little bit of a polarizing figure. How do you figure it into you taking this job? Or how did he figure into you taking this job? And Gannon, the very first thing he says, quote, if Kyler Murray isn't here, I don't take this job. Close there you quote. go. 
There you go. Give me the love. I love it. I, you know, you got to support your franchise quarterback, especially at a time like this where it's uncertain who your quarterback is going to be week one because Kyler's injured because he tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. Um, and we might get into this a little bit later, but I think that's where hiring Drew Petzing, the Browns quarterback coach, is really interesting. Could they possibly bring in a guy like Jacoby Brissett, who was actually playing really well before Deshaun Watson came back in Cleveland? Yep. Um, so I'm really interested in that. You just have Jacoby Brissett fill in for Kyler with Colt McCoy as the backup, and then you kind of cross the bridge who's still here and who's not mm. once Kyler comes back. But, um, I mean, Kyler could be out. Maybe half the season. season. So you need a backup plan. So anyway, but it is, it's nice to hear. I know you, you, no coach is going to come in here and say, well, I I don't really care about Kyler Murray. I don't really care about (laughs) Kyler Murray. I mean, I, I, I just wanted a head coaching job. It didn't matter who the quarterback is. But it's good to hear him be so positive about Kyler. He says their relation, they're in the press conference, their relationship is going to be great because Kyler Murray is a direct reflection of him being Jonathan Gannon and his philosophy, his culture, how he wants this team to run. It starts with K1. It starts with QB1. He's got to be the leader of this of the team. He's got to be the leader in the locker room. I hope he's ready for that because there's been so much scrutiny that he's not that way, that he's not a good leader, whatever. I don't know. I'm not in that locker room. I'm not. Shocker. I, I don't know how it is. Wait, in you're there. not in I'm the not, locker room? You know, I'm not actually on the team. <laughs> so, you're not actually in the uh, studio right no, now. No, I'm not. That's the yeah, am I here right now? Uh, so, but... I don't know how he, but he needs to be that. I think he needs to be that direct kind of like, again, messenger being a term that I can't think of a better term. He needs to be the conduit between head coach and the rest of the 53 man roster. There was something else that you mentioned earlier on as you were making your point is that finally we have somebody that wanted to say yes to this job. So much so that he actually turned down more money. Peter Peter King went on to ask. Quote, sounds like you were ready to leave, but it wasn't easy. Gannon, quote, I love Philly. I love owner Jeffrey Lurie. I love Howie Roseman. I love Nick Sirianni. They came back and they were like, here's a new offer. It's going to pay you more than being a head coach. That's cool. And I loved it there. But I wanted to be a head coach. And I was excited about this because of Mr. Bidwell, Michael, as he would say, GM Monty Austinfort, and Kyler. Jonathan Gandon turned down more money to be head coach, it's, not just of any football that way. team, of the Arizona Cardinals. And he turned down an offer from a team, obviously, that he was already on. So the fam- NFC champions? Their familiarity. They were just in the Super Bowl. And they have a, a, a they have a loaded defense. They're I mean, Hassan Reddick had a great year. They have a lot of talented guys on the Eagles defense, and it, so yeah, it shows you that he how much he wants this to work here in Arizona. He's not just taking. I, yeah, He's emphasizing how dedicated yes, he is, and there because there are guys that just take jobs because well, it's, it's a, a job. it's a promotion. Yep, I'm a head coach. Cool. And, you know, maybe they're obviously I think their hearts are into it, but I don't think they're as into it as Jonathan Gannon is going to be. It doesn't seem like he sounds like he's going to eat, sleep, drink, breathe Cardinal football 24 seven. And that's awesome to me. That's what we need. I mean. Yeah, we had Cliff who showed up at 3 a.m. every day. That's cool. That doesn't Cliff did. It's not that that Cliff didn't work hard, though. And Cliff worked hard. He did. 
But I think this is going to be a better combination of just everything in between. I think the thing about Gannon, too, is like, he yes, he said yes, despite all of these circumstances. And this feels so refreshing, as you pointed out earlier, because Flores had a gut feeling to rather take the Vikings D.C. job. Yeah, he D'Amico, turned down a head coaching job in the NFL. D'Amico Ryans cancels an interview on the day that it was supposed to happen, mm-hmm. reportedly, mm-hmm. and then clearly we knew what he had in mind. Dan Quinn was reportedly the favorite to have the job here and opted to go back to Dallas and be the D.C. And then Sean Payton, it has a lot of moving parts, but we got all excited thinking that it was actually going to lean this way. And that Michael Bidwell was going to pull all the strings to make sure that this was going to happen. This is it's like it's like getting a fresh stick of gum. Yeah. For the first time of the day or for the first time in a long time. Like, I haven't I haven't had gum for as long as I can remember. And then the other day I was at the store. I got gum. I stick the piece <laughs> in my mouth, start chewing, and I'm like, wow. Wow, gum's great. I really needed this. I really <laughs> needed this flavor. I really needed this energy that I'm getting my now. My breath was horrible. <laughs> don't, don't out me on the air. Jeez. <laughs> it's nice to know that somebody wants us. It's nice to be wanted. Is basically what I'm trying to say. Yes, and I, I think if if maybe this happened a little sooner, it'd be hard to because the Eagles did go to the Super Bowl. But the way the process worked out, I think through people, because yeah, they didn't interview him for the first time till after the Super Bowl is over, and of course people say, well, if they really wanted him all along, why didn't they interview him earlier in the process? Well, mm-hmm. schedules and whatever, whatever circumstances could have come up, they, this might have been their first choice. I, we'll never know that for sure. We'll never know if Monty Austinfort was the first choice for GM for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just, I, I, I think that result is better. Like, I think the result is kind of like, overshadowed by how weird the process was and you know the comments about how busy they were hosting the Super Bowl and you know not putting their head coaching search on pause because of it Mm -hmm. I mean yeah obviously that's a huge undertaking hosting a Super Bowl I mean we were sending stuff back and forth the other day of national writers giving their thoughts on the hire and it's yeah there's not a lot that's actually written about the hire of Gannon, they're just kind of like, eh, okay. And the, his lasting image in Philly is going to be this loss in the Super Bowl. They couldn't figure out Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah. It's not a sexy hire. We'll, I we'll, get it. But. We'll get into it more later, but the Athletic did a poll of some NFL execs, and they had, you know, they had the best hires being um, D'Amico Ryans with the Texans and Frank Reich in Carolina. And not one of those executives that they polled voted for Jonathan Gannon as the best hire, nor Sean Payton or Shane Steichen. Like, they had nothing to say about them. Nothing. Like, at all. They're just like, okay, these guys are great, and who cares about the rest? It's just kind of weird. It's a very interesting approach. No thoughts on Sean Payton? That was weird. I, I think they've had their thoughts on Sean Payton. I know Payton. you have thoughts on that, Sean Payton. Uh, yes, I, do. <laughs> I also have thoughts on the Diamondbacks. Spring training. Full squad ready. Yes. What kind of questions do they still have to answer, though? That's next, here on the Burns and Gamble Show, here on Arizona Sports. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch Farrell, this Cody Fincher. We're in for Burns and Gambo today here on this President's Day Monday. Thank you for carving out some time for us on your drive, your sit at home, whatever you may be doing here on this fine holiday for some holiday for not others, unfortunately, but 
thank you for doing what you do and all that you do. And I want to say this too, Cody. I am so thankful that baseball is back. Now, I know you were out at spring training today, or rather, warm-ups today. Are yes. You, are, you, are you feeling the vibe? Are you feeling like baseball's truly back? Are you, are you feeling it? I feel like, yes, I am. I'm always feeling baseball. Baseball's <laughs> the best. Baseball's my favorite sport. It, it doesn't really get real until they start playing some actual games, I feel like, but... I mean, I saw guys warming up, but Cor- oh, Corbin Carroll was out there, and I'm oh, this guy's going to win Rookie of the Year. He's ready. Oh, my gosh. I can feel it. Um, yeah, and, you know, I saw a bunch of the pitchers, Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly were out. Everyone was out there today. It was first uh, first full squad workout was today, and got to look at some uh, Gabriel Moreno, Lourdes Gurriel, some of the new guys out there. Miguel Castro, by the way, is six foot ten. their new relief pitcher. 6'10". That dude's huge. That dude six is ten? He's 6'10". Wow. Or at least close to it. That's a, That dude is that's, huge. That's RJ's height. On their actual roster. I think that was his height, 6'10". Wow. Anyway, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was nice to go out there today. It was a nice day out there at Salt River Fields. And, you know, fans were all out there, too. And got to see some new guys. Like I said, Angoria was out there today. Nick Ahmed was back. That was good to see. Jordan Lawler. Good to see all possible replacement is in camp too. So I'm very excited about this particular team because they did a lot of things this offseason too that very much improved the current roster and the prior year roster. There's some other aspects that go into it, but I was checking out and I sent to you a bunch of stuff that I found on the athletic, a bunch of stuff that our beat writers here at Arizona Sports were covering with all the changes that have been happening with the Diamondbacks. Yeah. There was a best under the radar offseason move by each team. And this was Zach Buchanan's little bit. He basically cheated and picked a small collection, (laughs) but he pointed out specifically the bullpen area. Carlos Vargas, Mm. Miguel Castro, who you just mentioned, 610. Holy smokes. Scott McGuff, who not maybe as popular of a move, but he throws hard. He was a closer when he was playing in Japan for the past few years, and he's going to be here for three years, if I'm not mistaken. He's on a three-year deal. So they're going to give him some reps in some of those later inning spots, and heck, maybe even closer, because they don't know what they're going to get from Mark Melanson yet, but they still have him. He still wants to be the closer. He said it himself. Yeah. Mark... I don't know. I don't know about that. We'll see. Uh, that's that's a that's a big question mark. We're talking about question marks. I think the bullpen is still a question mark because we don't know exactly who will be where in that bullpen because they've added a they've added a lot of people. They've, yeah. they've added Miguel Castro, like you said, Scott McGuff. Uh, they've added guys on minor league deals. They, they got tri- Andrew Chafin a few. Andrew days Chafin ago. is back, by mm-hmm. the way, with the bushiest. Be- <laughs> I was out there with a big buddy. country's got a big beard. <laughs> I was out there with a buddy of mine today, and I just told him, "I look at Andrew Chafin," and he's like, "He's like, it looks like he just wandered out of the woods hunting Bigfoot." <laughs> and I'm like, I, "I'm like, he I probably bet- was." I'm like, "He probably killed Bigfoot. He probably he he Andrew Chafin would successfully hunt down Bigfoot." <laughs> anyway, he's Andrew Chafin's back. He's been great since they traded him away in 2020. But they've got a lot of guys on minor league deals. Like Jerry's Familia was signed in a minor league deal. They do get Carlos. He was Vargas. on the National League champion Phillies. So uh-huh. Part of their rotation. He he, he you know. He wasn't very good for them. He wasn't didn't have a very good year last year. But there's a lot of guys that can make this bullpen. I think the locks, obviously, you're going to have Melanson because he's under contract for $7 million. Andrew Chafin, duh. Joe Mantiply, duh. Um, 
Coming off an all-star campaign, I'm curious yeah. if he can replicate that. Miguel Castro is going to be in there. And honestly, just a question mark within a question mark. Will Tori Lovello actually name a closer this year? I don't know. I have a fear that he's not going to. Whereas last yeah. year, I feel like it was a lot easier to name a closer because you, it was had, Mark just, you had just signed one who yeah. was coming off of, he I le- believe it was the most saves in 2021. He had the, he led the National League in saves with the Padres. And then, of everything that happened last year happened. Yeah. But if you look deeper at the numbers, he did a lot worse in non-save situations than actual save situations. Correct. So himself as a closer was... Not that bad. It, it wasn't was, horrible. It was par. But... The fact that they just kept rolling him out there in tie games, even though the numbers say don't do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not privy to all the analytics and scientific data that they are, but I could at least look up baseball reference, look at his ERA in (laughs) non-save situations, and it was bad. Anyway, but that's a big question. The bullpen still, um, it's, it's so weird because this year it almost feels like there's just so many guys that are locked in to spots. This is very. I've had this conversation with Steve on Saturday. Yes, this con- this this team feels very similar to the way they set up 2020's team. Yes, because your outfield is your. There's no real like. Okay, well, who's who, who might you make, have five? Who might awesome compete, dudes? Yeah, you got Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, and Jake McCarthy. Those could be your starting three outfielders. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who they just acquired, is a really good hitter and a very good defensive left fielder. Mm-hmm. He could be out there. Kyle Lewis they traded for from Seattle. They gave up Cooper Hummel for him. Some good rotation, viability, yeah. different options out so there. So the outfield is pretty set. The infield is obviously third base might be a platoon. We'll see with Evan Longoria and Josh Rojas. Nick Ahmed's back. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what he's got in the last year of his deal here um, with the Diamondbacks. We'll see if he can stay healthy for one. He hasn't been healthy the last couple of years. You have Perdomo still. Jordan Lawler, not quite ready yet to come up to the major leagues. You have Cattell Marte going to play second, and Christian Walker's playing first. The like everything's kind solved. Of, and then catcher, the catching position is interesting to me because they did acquire in the same deal for Guriel. They traded Varsho, Dalton Varsho, to the Blue Jays, and the prize in that deal was Gabriel Moreno, this young, up-and-coming, top prospect catcher who had, in 20... 20-something games last year in the big leagues hit 292. Not a, not a massive sample size. No, but he can hit. It'll be interesting to see how much playing time he gets, first of all, because there's still people saying, oh, Carson Kelly's probably going to be... Kelly's at least, a slightly upside defender. At least on opening day because yeah. of the of the relationship with Zach Gallen, who's probably who should get the nod on opening day. So we'll see how much he actually plays. But, I'm man, I'm excited about this team. I'm super excited about that. I don't. I don't think they're going to win the division because the Dodgers and the Padres are loaded. Yeah. Uh, well, not so much the Dodgers lately, but they still they're have. Still the they Los still Angeles have Dodgers. their two MVPs, Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. Um, the Padres reloaded up again, um, but I think the Diamondbacks have a significant shot at a wild card if everything goes correctly for them. Um, the pitching staff to the starting pitching. That's where I was going to get to next. As much as this season will hinge on the bullpen, the season is very much going to hinge on the starting rotation as well. You've got two anchors. I would say one and a half to two anchors. I'll give Merrill Kelly the benefit of doubt. I'm curious to see what he does for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. He might be the ace there now, to be honest. <laughs> but Zach, Zach Allen is very much a Cy Young candidate, yes. a top 10 Cy Young candidate. Merrill Kelly had an outstanding season last year that got him into contract extension. But then you have the question marks. You and Steve 
uh, Zinsmeister, on your latest Ain't No Think podcast, you did your roster predictions. Your other three spots you gave to Madison Bumgarner, who we'll talk about more in just a sec, Zach Davies, and Dre Jameson. And while I agree with it, there's very much some great young talent that is waiting in the wings behind those other three guys. There are so many. There's the, the fifth spot in the rotation is going to be interesting because, yes, there are a lot of guys, or multiple guys, I should say, that can take that spot. Dre Jameson is obviously one of them. He came up in towards the end of last year and was electrifying. He it's been like we talked about fresh breath of fresh air with Jonathan Gannon. The breath of fresh air for the Diamondbacks is they have young dudes that throw smoke. Yes. And that's something that we haven't had (laughs) in a while because yeah, Dre Jameson throws really hard. Ryan Nelson throws hard. Tommy Henry doesn't throw super hard, but it's good enough. He throws deceptive is what he does. Yes. And it's just, and all, all three of the guys, Brandon fought too. He's probably not going to make the majors Mm -hmm. right away because he didn't play in AAA very much last year. Just a handful. Um, towards the end of the year, I believe, the second half of the season. But um, he's another guy that eventually is going to be up for a rotation spot. I'm leaning towards Dre Jameson just because of the stuff. Me too. Um, But then again, I mean, Ryan Nelson came in here last year and was really good. Um, So... Yeah, the fifth spot. I think the rest of the rotation is kind of a lot. You you have to have Madison Bumgarner in there. You kind of I don't know. Do you have to? At the beginning, to me, yes. So because you got to see what he he's under contract for two more years, and you got to hope that he pitches well enough to either one then you know help them make the playoffs, or two to be able to trade him. I just want to get to this really quick uh, because GM Mike Hazen was asked about it in pre pre availability, whatever it was. Quote: He's going to get the ball again. He's going to get the ball again this season. Yes, we're penciling him in to be in our rotation, and he's going to be in our rotation. And then went on to say he kind of wants him to be that veteran presence, like an Evan Longoria or a Mark Melanson, and he hopes that Bumgarner can get back to that form. That's the and that's the key. He is not being asked to be the best pitcher on the staff. You already have that guy. His yep. name is Zach Gallen. They just need Bumgarner to be serviceable, and they need him to help the young guys because he that guy has the. If you're talking about pedigree. That dude's got it. Yes. He's got World Series rings. Yes. Multiple. He's been a World Series MVP. Yes. He's the exact type of guy that you want in your clubhouse teaching young guys like Dre Jameson, Tommy Henry, Ryan Nelson, and Brandon Fott. But you still have to play well to stay there. Yes, you do. And I don't think last year's results where he had an ERA over five, it's not acceptable on a team like this that's trying to compete. Coming up next. So we now know who is the OC and we now know who is the DC. So who is offensive coordinator Drew Petzing? We'll dive deep into it next here on the Burns and Gamble Show on Arizona Sports.